Something wicked this way comes. That's wicked in the slang sense, of course. It's episode 132 of Have You Seen? Roll up, roll up. There's a carnival in town, and uh, I am ringmaster Kieran Lefort. Uh, at the other end of the table is head clown Tom Webb. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, I hope everybody's um, feeling grand and lovely. Uh, we're about to talk about a very weird film. Yeah, very weird. <laughs> you uh, you brought this to the table. Explain. So yeah, well, one of one of my favourite films growing up as a kid was Tron. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loved it. And it was only as I got older and started getting more into film that I realised how unique that film actually is. And when kind of looking into it a bit more, it seems that Disney around that era, which would be late 70s, early 80s, seemed to go out of their way to try some really unusual stuff with their live action films. Yeah. Um, have you, there's uh, there's the the sort of the space sci-fi movie called uh, the the black hole. Black hole, yeah. Which um, I remember seeing on TV. Yeah, it, I don't know if I've ever seen it start to finish. Right, I've, I've got, definitely I've got, seen the bit where they go into the black hole. Right, I've got it on DVD. Yeah, I remember, uh, it was on TV when I was very young. Yeah, and that's kind of it's it's like a it's a sci-fi film family sci-fi film but it's actually quite edgy in places mm-hmm. like someone nearly gets murdered by a robot mm. that's trying to disembowel it yes uh, which you know that was pretty full on there's there's Tron which was obviously at, like the, Tron is the only movie that was ever made in the way that Tron was made yeah um, with the, like the, the computer generated images that they, they did but then also with the weird light box technique that they yeah. used um, and there was what's the other one there was I think there's another one as well. And then there's Something Wicked This Way Comes. Mm. And Something Wicked This Way Comes is based on a Ray Bradbury novel. And Ray Bradbury didn't really write novels for kids or for families. He's, he's well, a, you know, he's a... Yeah. He, you know, he's kind of like a sort of dystopian mm. sci-fi kind of style author. You kind of put his... You put his stuff with things like people like John Wyndham and... Uh, like Philip K. Dick, I guess. Yeah. To a lesser extent. Yeah. But, you know, so he's, you know, he, obviously Fahrenheit 451 is, is the most famous book of his. And it just seemed to me that it was a very unusual property for Disney to want to make a film of. And Ray Bradbury actually wrote the screenplay, so he was quite heavily involved with it. But it what? still seemed like a very strange meshing of... Of you know what what at that time like you know this was before Disney did things like buy Pixar and Marvel and and Star Wars and churn out all of this kind of stuff. It was when predominantly they did their animated movies, yeah. and then they did kind of like sort of stupid like live action movies, usually starring a very young Kurt Russell. Yeah. Um, and yeah, actually, I've seen a bunch of those. Yeah, and actually this film feels like one of those sixties. 
Disney live action movies, like the I way was, it's shot and stuff. I was a bit ast- like Pete's Dragon. I was astonished when it said it was 1983. Yeah, it doesn't feel it, like that at all, does it? It looks like absolute crap mm. as well. Like the stock is awful. The yeah. look of it is horrible. That might just be the transfer. Maybe. Like, I mean, but it looked. Yeah, I, I honestly thought it was going to be 1973. Yeah, yeah, I would say you know, it like. It's got that kind of feel to it, like in this, like Pete's Dragon in the sixties, which was one of the first, like when they kind of took the Mary Poppins technique, yeah. and live action and, and animation together. Mm. It kind of ha- has that kind of feel to it. Yet the subject matter is really dark. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in essence, it's a it's a coming of age story and and a, and a, it's kind of like you know kids learn that actually the world isn't a particularly nice place yeah it's kind of the theme mm. but it's just yeah really weird <laughs> really weird and tiresome right i didn't like this really yeah i didn't dislike it oh, i just God. found it weird like i just i was sitting there like, i can't i was sitting there thinking who was this made for like yeah. what like when when Disney picked up Ray Bradbury's novel and read it or his screenplay and thought, they, did they just look at it and go, "Oh, the leads are kids, so it must be a must be a kids film." I don't know. Well, he wrote a screenplay that was rejected, that never got made. So he wrote a novel, right, of it. Then uh, Disney, I think, commissioned another screenplay, like complete a completely different right. screenplay with the same title right. from him, right, which he wrote. Um, he Bradbury then had a falling out with the director when it turned out Disney had insisted the director hire another writer to rewrite the screenplay. Yeah, well, they didn't. They rejected a version of the script from Stephen King. Yeah, as well, it seems to be a complete mess. And yeah. then once they'd finished the film, it tested so badly mm. they spent five million dollars recutting it, rescoring yeah. it, and shooting two new scenes. Yeah, it's it's very bizarre. Which stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, when the kids are like three years older. Yeah. So yeah, it's dreadful. Um, the whole problem with this film rests on it's a bad script. Yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No. Um, it, the dialogue is awful in places mm-hmm. and delivered particularly badly, especially mm-hmm. by the children. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, There's always that toss of the dice with child actors. Yeah, th- you're either yeah. gonna you're either gonna get super eight or you're gonna get this. Yes, exactly. Aren't you? Um, yeah, it yeah. was kids who had no idea how to. It's like they've like been given Christopher Walken pages. Like there was no punctuation <laughs> in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There's a setup. Events happen. Then it ends. Like there isn't particularly the a story. Is just like it's like, oh, is that it then? Yeah. Yeah. D- and I mean, it's not about the kids. No, they don't. They don't affect the change at the end. No, the da- it's one of their dads who looks old enough to be their fucking so, granddad. What's in? Okay, so this is what's kind of intriguing is that I think Disney tried to make it this coming of age story, where mm. it's about learning that people die, you move on. It's you know, not everybody in the world is nice. Blah 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 blah. But actually, what the story is, the, what drives the plot, is the father's guilt. Yeah. And it's kind of like um so okay, we should do a bit of a, a bit more of a setup than we're doing, I think. I, right, I tried to keep track of the story as I went. Okay. 1930 something. Yeah. 
some American It's a Wonderful Life town, which I call Backlotsville. Yes. Because it's it very yeah. obviously shot on the Universal Backlot. Yeah. Like, I recognize the... I've been there. I recognize the buildings. Yeah. Two kids, Will and Jim. Will's dad hallucinates a dead woman in a casket with a large ruby ring in the coffin uh, in an undertaker's window display. Yeah. The mysterious stranger who sold Jim a lightning rod sees this apparition too, separately, mm-hmm. and is enticed into the funeral parlor into the funeral parlor by forces supernatural. Yeah. Meanwhile, a driverless empty carnival train arrives in town and the rides set themselves up instantly. The creepy carnival has a freaky mirror maze and a beautiful fortune teller who wears the same ring as the hallucination. The townsfolk all get what they wish for in a dark monkey paw kind of way. Yes. Uh that's pretty much it. And then like all my notes were just kind of writing down like a scene that happens. Yeah. Well, okay. So but there's not necessarily anything within that. Yeah. So there's a backstory. This is what's kind of weird. Is like you're right. That is what happens. But then there's all this other stuff that kind of feels like it was supposed to be nice layering, but it just doesn't work. So, yes. So basically, uh, you got the two kids, uh, Jim and what's on? Will. Will. Will's Will's, Will's little the blonde ma- kid. Yeah. So. And essentially the main kid and the narrator. Yeah. yeah. And then Jim's father has died. Yes. Although he seems to think that his he's gone away. Has gone away on adventures in Egypt. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. Now, Will's father has these really strong feelings of regret. That. So what I think basically happened, they never really make it obvious and clear. He's the town librarian and he never yeah. takes any risks. Never takes any risks. And the reason is because when Will was even littler than he is in this, uh, he fell in a river Yeah. and his dad froze. And the implication is that Jim's dad, who was a bit of a drunk, dived in, saved Will, yeah. but then died. Yes. So he kind of feel so Will's dad kind of feels guilty that that he's caused the death of this other man through his inaction. Yes. Um. And and therefore he like he won't take any risks and he's very set in his ways and he's effectively just running out the clock on his life. And it seems to me that like you you have his story of redemption at the end effectively because it's it's it comes to the point where he's got to step up and do what he does yeah. but rather than that being the central story and then this being an, a film aimed at an adult audience not a kids audience yeah. or you don't have that you make it a much more subtle story and then you give the kids you give the kids the plot. You, you, mm. There's more, like so. That, like you say, they're they're kind of. We were following the secondary characters exactly, the whole yeah. time. Yeah, so they're yeah. not the protagonist. It, it's, so that's where it really fundamentally like falls apart. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and and half the time they're being followed about by some creepy little ginger kid who looks like Josh Widdicom, <laughs> <laughs> and and you're just he's like terrifying and he doesn't do anything. Yeah. And it's just it's just like a mishmash of bizarre stuff happening. Yeah. So like you say. Like, um, oh, and, and you know, there's the, you say about the townsfolk all kind of getting what they wish for. And mm. it's like, you know, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. That's another kind of moral. Yeah. So it kind of couldn't quite decide. But it doesn't. It never really kind of. It doesn't resolve itself. No, it doesn't. No. So you kind of get to the end of it and you're like, well, hang on a minute. Do, am I, have I got to be careful what I wish for? Have I got to take risks? Have yeah. I got to not take risks? I know. So I you also, kind of left in this like. So Jonathan Price is the evil. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, carnival yeah. ringmaster dude. Yeah. Um, I have no idea what his motivation is to come to this town and no. terrorise the townsfolk. Absolutely. And it, the thing is also, 
it's like he's the one who's doing everything, but he's not really because there's this witch played by Pam Greer, who's the woman. Who oh, I ring. didn't realize was Pam Greer. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. This is this yeah, is the absolutely. fortune teller I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like, well, hang on, is she the? So is he motivated because he he's enthralled by her? Mm. And it, it just kind of, yeah, you just get really confused as to like. Like, what's causing this? Who's causing it? Why is this happening? And why aren't we resolving the thing? And why are we not with the... This is the story over here. So why yeah. are we not... Yes, yeah, It kind of confusing. needs, like, one more rewrite to make it make mm. sense, yeah. I think. I think there is a potentially, like, a really terrifying film in that material. Mm. It needs a... I'm not an advocate of remakes, but this needs one. I think because so too, another yeah. problem was, and you could probably still get Jonathan Price. Yeah, the, a major problem was it needed special effects that wouldn't be invented for another twenty years. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We're in the oh, age. No, another the two age. years. You think of Ghostbusters? Well, like, I mean, you could have got away with Ghostbusters level effects maybe, on this movie. Yeah, we're we're in the age of you can tell when an effect shot's coming up because everything's gone out of focus. <laughs> yes, half of this film is massively out of yeah. focus. Yeah. Yeah, I just nothing made any sense to me. Yeah, I did like uh, the creepy opening titles. Yes, yeah, I put that and the uh, music, with, and it's just like with really... James Horner knocking off the Imperial March. Oh, so I said it sounds like a cross between the Imperial March and Harry Potter. Yeah. So there are moments that are a bang out of some Harry Potter score yeah. thrown in there. But you're right, Imperial yeah. March definitely. Yeah. Um, and the the entire opening title sequence is the titles over a train coming mm, towards yeah. the well it's the carnival train coming yeah. towards the camera <laughs> and I just wrote apparently the something wicked coming this way is a train movie over <laughs> yeah. uh, they have the wobbliest crane shot of all time following the kids through the back through Backlotsville yes I was kind of freaked out by the one-legged one-armed barman oh god yeah the, the former football former star former football star yeah, yeah. I do like, however, that the fre- the dark-haired kid has one of the most badass names. He's Jim Nightshade. Yeah, it's <laughs> such a great name. That's a, yeah. that's a gumshoe name. That's yeah, a, yeah, it really is. Yeah. Or a villain, yeah, maybe. Yeah, because Jonathan Price is called Mr. Dark, and there's that whole bit where he's stalking them in the library. Dark and Nightshade, He's yeah. like, yeah, we could be Dark and Nightshade yeah. Circus. And he's like, I, I thought that, that scene where Price is just kind of hunting them down in that library is really he quite He is creepy. chewing so much scenery. Oh, and that scene is. goes on forever. It does. But I think he's, like, the best thing in it because, like, he just yeah, livens it Yeah, he is it giving up. it the full beans. Yeah, he absolutely. He just makes it, like, he engages you. Mm. Even though it is, you know, he's, he's acting f- for the back row. Yeah. It's, you know... It, it, yeah, I think that's he kind of brings some much needed kind of oomph to it. Where with Jason Robards, who's probably the hero, really, yeah. it just is a bit. Oh, yeah, just oh, okay. By the way, I, I nearly let you drown when you were a kid, but yeah. he also seemed far too old to be playing that part. Yeah, and they do kind of um, uh, Price's character does bring that up. When yeah, he he's, does when yeah. they're in the library. Mm. Yeah, yeah, there's the whole... He's like, I, you know, I can turn back the clock for you. Yeah. Um, you know, what age would you want to be? 30, 31? And as he's doing this, he's ripping pages mm. out of a book. Yeah. Saying, like, you know, you can't, now you can't go back that far, you can't go back that far yeah. kind of thing. Which was 
both sort of cool and sort of nonsensical all at the same time. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I, that, that's how I kind of feel about this movie is there are elements of it. I thought, oh, that's a really kind of interesting idea and interesting concept. Like the carousel. Yeah. And if you get on the carousel and it goes really fast forwards and you age and if it goes really fast backwards then you get younger. Then you turn into a little ginger kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's like, okay, that's kind of a really neat little device. Mm. But it's just, yeah, there was just so much of a mishmash of yeah. kind of stuff that could have been really awesome and it's just... One of the other issues I kind of took with it is a bit of the tone of it. Um, I think it was it was mostly in the scenes with the kids. I was kind of like, these kids are no fun. Yeah, they are quite serious, aren't they? They are. Um, and I kind of I I don't know. I just kind of felt it needed to be a bit more Goonies. Yeah, yeah. These are two. These should be like two kids on an adventure. Absolutely, yeah. But then, I mean, then like near the end, you've got a bit where someone gets their hand wrenched and the back of the hand splits open. Yeah, it's like, where the hell did that come from? Yeah. that's not. That's not what this movie should be. Yeah, there's a, there's a. I'm pretty sure. So, oh, I don't. There's so much to talk about and so little to talk about all at once. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that sums up this film. Yeah. The tarantula scene, which is one oh, of the, the reshoot post, scenes, yeah, yeah. is so badly shot, mm. edited and acted and inserted into yeah. the film. Yeah. It's, you can see the wig on the blonde kid. <laughs> so, right, the dark-haired kid was naturally blonde right. and auditioned 10 times to play the blonde kid. Right. And they decided he should be the other one, bleached his hair. The blonde kid had his naturally dark hair <laughs> and they yeah, yeah, and they bleached his hair. So, yeah, they just mental. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that sequence is terrible. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of tarantulas and bad acting. The kids stepping on tarantulas is pretty gross. Yeah. Um, and then... So shortly after that, the carnival has a little parade through the town. Yes. And it's kind of like they're hunting them at the same time. Yeah. Is there a midget Batman in that scene? <laughs> I don't know. There is an incredibly small midget in there, though. There's several. Yeah. I, like, I thought it would just be one, but no, there, no. Are, there, are, there are several little yeah. dudes. Yeah. Um, one of them I'm pretty sure has a Batman cowl on. Right. Oh, yes. No, I know. I think, yeah, it might be green, though. But oh, I think you're right, yeah. It's very yeah. odd. Um. What else? Oh, the other reshoot scene is the Hall of Mirrors at the end. Yes, which where, is where the kind blonde of, uh, kid shows up six inches taller and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. in his wig again. Yeah, and it, and it's like the the Jason Robards being forgiven. Yes. sort of deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's all just very very weird. And then oh, okay, so um, we might as well just skip to the end. Uh, there, he uh, Jonathan Price gets. I completely missed how he ended up on the carousel. Somehow unable to get off it. Yeah. It then goes really fast forwards for some reason. Yeah. And he dies. He gets very old and dies. In a sequence that's actually pretty good. Yeah. I like think, the effects of him aging are really good. Yeah. I think uh, what happens is he gets kind of shoved onto it, doesn't he? And he gets caught. I don't up know. Maybe it. I looked away, but yeah, I couldn't see I him caught gets... on anything. He just seemed to be holding on. So he puts the kid on. Did he? I, th I think he puts the kid on, but then I think Jason Robards grabs the kid off. Right. And as John and Price goes to it, he misses and gets caught up and then gets sort of dragged on effectively. Right. And gets, like, gets whipped around until mm. he, he ages so far 
he goes, he dies. And then Jason Robards leaps around talking about being a whooping cranes. Yeah, sorry. Like and how and how we should be the happy because that will yeah. bring the dark haired kid back from the brink of death. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... I, yeah. And it's like, when has the power of happiness featured in this film so far? <laughs> I know, like, I know. It, it, it makes... It's mind-blowing. It makes absolutely <laughs> no sense. Yeah, I think it is like Disney watching and, oh, shit, this isn't a Disney film. Um, <laughs> what are we going to do? Yeah. Um, and then they skip into Backlotsville, just the three of them, and a harmonica comes out, and that's the end. Yeah, yeah, and it just is so abrupt. Yeah. And it's just like bang credits. Oh, it's oh, it's just. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm glad I've seen it because it was a, it's a it's an intriguing anomaly in Disney's history. I think I could have done without seeing it. Really? Yeah. I, I'm kind kind of interested by that sort of thing. I'm interested by the way they they tried it but failed so spectacularly. It is... <sighs> they call those noble failures, and I don't think this is very noble. No, but there is a remake. Apparently, yeah. I don't know when though. Uh, I think it's. Sh- I can't remember when it was scheduled for. Maybe next year or the year after. Mm. Um, but and then I looked at it and I looked at who was doing it and I it didn't fill me with. Or oh, is it someone dreadful? Hang on, let's. Uh... I, it, it was no. Well, I don't think it's someone. It's someone who's done something that I thought wasn't that good. Right. I think they were first time director. Uh, I you know I'd like to see a JJ Abrams version of this. Yeah. Yeah, I think he he's he could uh... do it. According to blah blah blah. Oh right, hold on. Uh, blah blah blah. According to blah, 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 Disney is making a remake of something wicked this way comes with Seth Graham Smith writing the script, making his directorial debut, and producing with David Katzenberg. What else did he do? Hold on. Film. He wrote Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. That's right. And Pride and Prejudice yeah. and Zombies. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I was thinking. Hmm. This doesn't seem like a good Dark Shadows. Yeah, not not a good Polish the script for Fantastic Four. Oh. It's that's not a good track record. No, it isn't. You want somebody like or like Ben Wheatley. Really? Like just somebody like that. Like like somebody who's who's who knows how to do like off the wall weird. Hmm. Or maybe um the guy who did um, Paddington, somebody like that, who's got who's got kind of a who, who knows how to do something unusual, something bizarre and dark, but kind of keep it in check and in a universe that makes sense. Yeah, because I think that's what basically what this is missing is nothing holds it together to make sense. Yeah, kind of. Spills out all over the place. It does. Yeah. Well, there we go. That's that. Yeah. Um, pictures are sort of weird again this episode because mm-hmm. da da. I still don't have the internet. <laughs> Thank you very much, BT Openreach. Um, so it's got to be another physical media one. Mm-hmm. And you pitched this idea as well. I d- well, yeah. Sort of. Sort of. Yeah. Um. So in my big stack of stuff, I have but have never watched. I have a copy of Infernal Affairs, Mm -hmm. which was remade as The Departed. Mm -hmm. You have a copy of The Departed. Yeah. I have sort of seen Infernal Affairs, but I think I nodded off in the middle of it. Right. So, 
let's watch both of those was what yeah. you suggested yeah pretty much because I've seen The Departed and kind of compare and contrast yeah because I you've seen The Departed I've I seen The Departed I've sort of seen Infernal Affairs and you haven't seen it at all exactly yeah right. so um, like one and a half yeah I'm not, I, I, I will say up front I'm not a fan of Scorsese at all but this was uh, I'm aware this, this one and Shutter Island are the two that I actually kind of thought were alright it's been a long time since I've seen this The, the Departed um so I thought it would be interesting to kind of watch it again uh, and reevaluate my opinion of it, but also to watch Infernal Affairs. Mm. So what, I, what I'm planning to do, if it's possible, is to watch Infernal Affairs first. Yes, same because here. Because I can't remember what actually... Like, I can't remember all the twists and turns of the plot because it's quite complicated. Yeah. So I don't want to watch The Departed and then... When I'm watching a subtitled movie, kind of preempt what's happening. Right. Not, yeah. You know, no, so no, I want to. No, I want to go watch the original first, and then watch The Departed again. Perfectly understandable. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, loads of people love The Departed. It's got a fantastic cast and Mark Wahlberg. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking you know, down. It's the, uh, pretty pretty phenomenal. You got DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Jack Nicholson, Martin Sheen, Ray Winstone, Vera Farmiga, Alec Baldwin. Yeah, I'm looking at the top line of Infernal Affairs, and if you uh, if you know anything about Hong Kong movies, mm. uh, it's Andy Lau, yeah. uh, uh, one of the Tony Lungs, the yeah. one from uh, Hard Boiled, not right. the other one. Yeah. Um, uh, Anthony Chow, who's in, right, yeah. who's the bad guy, most known for being the bad guy in Hard Boiled. Yeah. Uh, Eric Chang, who's usually a comedian, but he's in about a billion. He's one of the lucky stars, actually, Eric Chang. Oh yeah, oh, we watched one. one of those. We watched what? Which one? Did we, Nick and I watched. Um, I think we watched Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars. My Lucky Stars is the best one. Yeah, Winners and Sinners is. Oh no, we watched Winners and Sinners. That's so boring. Yeah, and generally not a good film. Yeah, uh, Twinkle Twinkle's kind of all over the place, and My Lucky Stars is the one that kind of holds together. I think yeah. in the middle. Yeah, those two are made back to back. I think it's pretty much. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and has some of some of my favourite absurdist humour in it. Yeah, I always like Richard N in those. Oh god, yeah, he's just genius comedian. Yeah. But anyway, we digress. Yes, uh, yeah. So Infernal Affairs is directed by uh, Andrew Lau and Alan Mack, who mm-hmm. who team up a lot, I think, and do a lot of these right uh, Hong Kong gangster films. Uh, and I right. Full confession, I meant to, at the very least, take a photo of the back of the DVD cover so I could read the blurb before right. I left the yeah, house this morning. Forgot. Completely forgot. That's so, you get what's on IMDb. Okay. Which <laughs> simply says, a story between a mole in the police department and an undercover cop. Their objectives are the same, to find out who is the mole and who is the cop. Okay, I'll read the one for The Departed. Yeah. Which is, an undercover cop and a mole in the police attempt to identify each other while infiltrating an Irish gang in South Boston. Fair enough. So, it's, yeah... Obviously, it's the same. There we go. Yeah, so I think uh, lots of people say that there's a lot, a lot to talk about, but to, like comparing these two movies. Yeah. So hopefully that will be the case for us. And I remember even before the Departed came about, the people raving oh, about Infernal Affairs. Absolutely. Yeah, I can remember in uh, it came. What year did it come out? Infernal Affairs. Uh, two thousand and two. Okay, so I worked in Blockbuster. Or 2004 in the UK. (laughs) In 2004. Yeah. And it was probably the most rented out Hong Kong movie in the entire store. Really? Yeah. I I would say hands down. Uh, Dubbed version, given where you worked. (laughs) 
part. I think it might have been both, actually. Yeah. I think you had a choice. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, probably. Um, and in fact, it, it was so popular that when the sequels came out, they got rented out quite a lot as well. And they would often beat out like, I don't think, do we have any Jackie Chan? I'm not sure we had any mm. Jackie Chan. Oh, we might have had what, one or two of his Hong Kong movies. Yeah. I think we might have had Drunken Master perhaps. Yeah. But the, yeah, they got. Just reminded me, I think, uh, I might have to double check this. Hold on. Let me let me check my facts before I dive into this. Because it popped up for me the other day, but oh. my, my Netflix might have been tuned iffily um all oh, right hold. i know they've been showing the departed on film four quite a bit recently I think. yeah yeah so it might be easy for people to see i think it was film four yes finally at last drunken master 2 is on oh, uk netflix yes, as legends of drunken master yes i watched it which week. is one of jackie chan's best films yeah uh yeah. Yeah, has some of my favourite fight scenes in it. Yeah. And it's basically, he made it when he was 40, and it was basically to show, I'm 40 and I can still go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he made, ended up making one of his best movies. So yeah. um, check that out as well. Yeah. Uh, we really are digressing a lot. We are, yeah. Uh, mostly because we don't have anything to say about our pitches. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, shall I do plugs and thanks and we'll get out of here? We'll make it nice and short for people this time. Yeah, okay, because I suspect, I mean, like the, the we're going to be watching two very complicated movies. Yeah. So we're probably going to have a longer show next I think next we probably will. Right. So if you have seen Infernal Affairs or The Departed or both or something wicked this way comes, you can let us know on Twitter at HYS Podcast. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast. The website is haveyouseen.net and the email is podcast at haveyouseen.net. As I say every episode, we have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash HYS Podcast, uh, which contains little videos of us uh, pimping movies to you that we're not going to watch because we've both seen them and we both like them. Uh, the epic episode 100 in video form uh, and our marvellous short film, Barry. Mm. We like shares and likes on Facebook, particularly if new show posts. We like retweets on Twitter, again, especially if new show tweets. We like reviews and ratings on iTunes and we like your pictures of new films and reviews of stuff we've covered. My phone is going mental and I'm getting email after email <laughs> arriving. Right. Thank you to all of you for listening, especially if you've done any of those things. Thank you to Upbeat Productions for letting us into the submersible. Thank you to Alexia Mom for his technical expertise. And thank you to Nicola, the social media manager, for managing social media. Right, we're off to watch a whole load of gangsters mm-hmm. uh, across, well, it's cops as well, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. Gangster cops. Gangster cops. <laughs> yeah. All right, join us in the next episode. 133, Gangster Cops. <laughs> Absolutely. Bye. Something wicked this way comes. That's wicked in the slang sense, obviously. <laughs> Fuck, I should try and say it right, shouldn't I? <laughs> yeah. Something wicked this way comes. That's wicked in the slang sense, obviously. It's episode what? Epitode? <laughs> What's an epitode? <laughs> it's an epileptic amphibian. It's a having a fit, yeah. yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> Something wicked this way comes. That's wicked in the slang. Oh, fucking <laughs> cunting bollocks. Uh, it's because he's trying to be all hip. <laughs> Something wicked this way comes, innit? <laughs> <laughs>